Hello, this is the Surviving Healthcare Podcast, and I have a special guest today who has been in the fight longer than I have and has been a wonderful resource for me. This is Nick Yaya, and his podcast is um, the Free America Podcast. The Free America Podcast. And he's got 100 plus episodes, and they're stunning. And he's had some A class guests on there, and I've learned a lot from listening to him. And he, he, I want to consider him my friend now because we've gotten together and, uh, and uh, it's, it's been beneficial. So, Nick, what I'm interested in is I want to hear your story about how you entered the fray your, and developed that from, uh, from the start, from your, your acting career and so on. I understand you're a voiceover specialist. And Nick, Nick as you can see, has a background there, which is super professional, is his qualities, uh, yeah, his, his, he dresses for success and his, the production qualities of his podcast are far better than mine. And I'm hoping to learn a little something from him. So uh, Nick, go ahead and launch and uh, tell us all about you. And then uh, you can uh, catch up on what your favorite uh, episodes were and the people you learned the most from. Sure. Well, thank you for having me on the show, Robert. And, and thank you for the kind words and that kind introduction. I do appreciate that. Um, and, and yeah, you know, the, the podcast is, is an outgrowth of my activism in the, in, in the community with regard to COVID. And essentially what got me into doing the podcast and, and, and becoming really active is just I saw the injustice around me um, with regard to specifically in the beginning with regard to masks. But I, but I foresaw a day coming when they would also be mandating vaccines. And so uh, I sought to uh, draw attention to that very early on so that we could muster up uh, a defense against it, essentially. And one of the tools that I used in that, in that is, um, is starting the podcast. You know, there were uh, also, you know, a little bit of a selfish reason for starting it. I, I actually, <laughs> I have to admit that, that I was just tired of yelling at my computer screen uh, when I was <laughs> reading this information or, or, or um, you know, bantering back and forth with someone on Facebook or Twitter, I found it, it, it was just exhausting and I wanted to reach a larger audience and I wanted to be able to, to just kind of get this stuff off my chest because it, it really is, as you know, and, and I'm sure as many of your viewers and listeners know, it can really wear on you psychologically. And so it's good to have an outlet, at least for me, like a podcast. So that's uh, essentially kind of what got me into the fight. I've always been somewhat of a I guess you could say activist. Um, I, you know, whenever I see something wrong or, or see somebody being taken advantage of, you know, I, I've always stood up for people who, you know, were being bullied. I hate bullies. And, and in this case, you know, the bully, it, it turns out is our government. And it turns out are these, these multinational corporations and, 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 and these um, international you know, global conglomerates of, of unelected bureaucrats who are trying to steal our sovereignty. Uh, agencies like the World Health Organization or the, the World Economic Forum. Uh, these people are, are very dangerous because they're unaccountable. They, you know, the, we, we didn't vote for them, we can't vote them out. So, uh, so very dangerous times, but that is kind of what activated me. I saw that, that you know, there is an urgent need to speak up about things like this. And so that's that's pretty much one of the reasons I decided to step in. So you saw this thing from early 2020. Yeah, that's that's correct. I um, very early on, 
I was working with a group of friends and it started with a friend of mine named Ashley. Ashley is a guy I met um, while on set, while as an actor, he's a fellow actor. And uh, I was encouraging him to shop without a mask. That was something that I was doing early on for several reasons. One, because I couldn't breathe behind the damn thing. You know, I have, I have a, a deviated septum. And so it's very hard for me to breathe, uh, you know, anyway. And, but also just for the, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, just because something didn't feel right about it to me to force somebody to cover their face and, and restrict their breathing anyway. And, and what I got into later in legal, in the legal um, fight in this is that this is actually a, a fundamental human right, the right to breathe. And, <laughs> and that, it, that is enshrined in our constitution under the, the due process clause of the Fourth Amendment, 14th Amendment. Uh, which says that you cannot violate a, a fundamental human right, which in this case is the right to breathe. So, so I'm using that in my court arguments, and we can get into that uh, a little bit later. But anyway, I convinced Ashley to, to not wear his mask while going shopping. And he lives in Hollywood, so it's a lot worse than where I live. I'm out in Santa Clarita. It's a little more conservative out here. I, you know, I was getting harassed by some people, but not nearly as bad as it is over the hill. And... Uh, so he decided to get a bunch of us together and go in at the same time. And so we started this mask-free shopping group where we would go around to different businesses who were harassing any of our members. And we would go in there as a group and stand strong and say, you cannot violate our rights. And, and so this thing grew over time. And um, at one point we were uh, we attempted to enter a, enter a store and the employees actually grabbed me and threw me back and started threatening me that they're going to, you know, kick my butt and all this stuff. And uh, that ended up in a civil lawsuit and that, that I filed against this business and against their uh, employees. Now, there's there's two reasons for that. One, of course, because of the assault and battery. Uh, two, because of the civil rights violations. But but three, uh, really the most important one I'm looking to establish is legal precedent in that a, 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 a store or anybody cannot just violate your fundamental human rights simply because someone in the government told them or recommended that they require people to wear masks. Now, mind you, there's no law. There was never a law that said that businesses have to require people to wear masks as a condition of entry. This was in the, this is very slick what the government did. They said, well, we, we're, we're recommending this. And if you look at the paperwork, that's what it says. It says it, the California Department of Public Health, the LA County Department of Public Health, even the CDC um, at the federal level was saying that these are recommendations, right? But people took them to heart to mean that these were mandates, these were laws, these were firm, and they most certainly are not. And so what these companies ended up doing was breaking the law in the process of trying to accommodate the government's mandate or their recommendation, right? And so they got put in a very difficult position. So what I'm hoping to do is, is set legal precedent so that that can't happen again in the future. Because we all know that these masks, you bet they're going to come back. At the first sign of uh, cold and flu season, you bet they're going to be coming back. And so um, I'm hoping to kind of head that off at the pass and and stop it before it starts again. Where, where is that court case now? 
So that particular court case is being fought at uh, Stanley Mosque Courthouse and, in downtown Los Angeles. So I'm, I'm currently in the process and in the earlier stages of the case where we're getting into discovery right now. Um, and then ultimately, if we move past um, and aren't able to reach um, some sort of understanding, uh, then, then it will be uh, fought in, in court. That's fantastic. And you're... <laughs> I mean, this is it goes to how sharp Nick is. He's doing this pro per. He's got some lawyers advising him, but he is uh, he's he's doing this on his own uh, because legal fees for something like this could run into the hundreds of thousands. Oh, certainly, and it's and it's really hard to find attorneys to represent um, on a contingency for something like this because you're not talking about a lot of money in damages, right? You know, <clears throat> maybe several hundred thousand dollars, which. Uh, to us is, is a lot of money, you know, to every regular everyday people, but, but attorneys and law firms, that's, that's crumbs. They, they're looking for these million dollar payouts. And so they're not going to put in the time or effort to represent someone, even if it is a winning case, simply because they're just not going to get the financial compensation that they, that they really, uh, you know, are due. Uh, it's a lot of work. I found out it really is a lot of work. Uh, uh, prosecuting this case, but you know, at the same time, I feel like it's um, it, it, you know, it's important. It's something that that can help a lot of people in the long run, and and I think it's really necessary. And so I'm I'm happy really to take it on as 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 um, as a task, as a you know, as a job. And and actually, litigation is somewhat of a hobby for me. Um, you know, I've, I've litigated mostly small claims cases or, you know, of course, uh, traffic uh, uh, cases. And, and, and I've got actually a pretty good track record. Now, I've actually been pretty successful at, at a lot of these cases. Um, so um, I hope I hope to have that same success here. Yeah, I never I'm not I have no great fondness for plaintiff's attorneys, but it seems like our legal system is the least broken part of our government now. And it seems like that's the great hope is these attorneys who I've always regarded as uh, S-C-U-M-B-A-G-S. Uh, these guys at least are motivated by potential uh, large rewards. And some of them are seem to be uh, buckling down and working on, on some of these cases, which are so outrageous. That we, we both know that there are 200 mass studies and they, it's a ridiculous thing to sign a compliance. It's, a, it's, it's basically an outrage, which has been foisted on us along with the rest of the pandemic. Right. Um, but um, can you describe a little bit about how your career has been altered by your activism? Oh, sure. Well, you know, the, I've, I've had to forego pursuing acting in the meanwhile, uh, because, well, primarily because I can't walk onto a set without proof of vaccination. And, and there are legal battles being fought by some of my fellow actors who have been damaged, you know, so in legal, in, in, in the legal world, uh, you, you have to have suffered some sort of damage to bring a suit against somebody, right? So, uh, for example, in our case, if uh, someone is hired for a job as an actor, you know, they've gone through the audition process, hey, we want to offer you the job, great, I'll take the job. And then it get, comes down to the day and they say, well, where's your proof of vaccination? Well, I don't, I don't have one. I don't, I don't need one. You know, it's not a law that I need to inject myself with an experimental drug as a condition of employment, but they seem to think otherwise. And so that's when they say, well, sorry, thank you very much, but we're going to have to go and, 
and find somebody else. So you, you get fired. Right there is, is um, you've, you've been damaged. You, you had an option, make, opportunity to make money and they fired you because you, know, you wouldn't take the experimental drug. So uh, uh, that hasn't happened to me, and, but there are other people who that has happened to and so they are filing suit. But, but yeah, it's, it's, really, it's really disheartening to think that even my union that I joined, the Screen Actors Guild, has not stood up for us. I mean, that's what they're there to do. But they capitulated to the production companies and you know these these big production companies like Fox and Disney and and Warner Brothers, you know they've got a, they they're very, very powerful and normally SAG is there to stand up against them for the rights of the performers. That's what we pay them for. And yeah. In this case, they just did not do that, and it's it really is shocking to see that that, that this whole world is really turned upside down. Everything is just just it's clown world. I can't, I can't describe it. Yeah. Those companies are owned by the globalists as are all, I mean, Pfizer and Moderna, for example, I believe they're over half on their majority owned by Vanguard and the Vanguard uh, consortium along with uh, state street and uh, BlackRock. Uh, they they're like in the 30 to $40 trillion range. So, so these, these people, it's a, it's a huge, huge conspiracy. It's a horrible problem. And I, the, right now it doesn't look like the good guys are going to win, but we're, if we get enough people who understand uh, the, the problem, I think that we've got a good chance. And in fact, that's what happened to the smallpox vaccination 150 years ago is enough blue collar people understood that how damaging it was that it was actually causing the disease um, that finally the whole thing petered out of its own uh, own weight, and it, uh, it, it that's the that's the closest analogy to what we're facing here with this vaccine. Which I'm I mean I'm convinced that the long hauler sy syndrome is a combination of the clot shot, which is what I call the vaccination, and COVID itself. So they they get uh, double triple exposure the to the uh, uh, spike protein and then they start producing this stuff so right. um and I, the, the the stories are legion i mean i have a close friend he and his daughter were clearly injured by the the, the vaccine and they the daughter had three of them and he had one and they i mean the little girl has polyarthralgia she all her joints are sore she's got rashes i mean th th this is the great imitator it causes yeah. heart attacks myocarditis uh, brain damage it causes neurological syndromes like Gillian Barre. I mean, it just, and anyway, so. And they, and they knew, they knew this going into it. The FDA was fully aware of this as were Pfizer, Moderna, J and J, all the producers of these, of these drugs were aware of the injuries that they were causing that they caused during the trial phase. Yet they chose to suppress that and they colluded together with the FDA to try to suppress it for 75 years. They were trying to prevent this data from coming out. And so now that it's coming out and showing that they knew that mothers were having miscarriages and that you know babies were dying from uh, you know tainted breast milk. And, and, and so that is, I mean, as horrific as that sounds, it is, believe it or not, good news because what this means is that they're no longer, um, they no longer have immunity from prosecution. So, so people can now sue them like much the same way I'm doing. You can, you as a, just a person can sue somebody in civil court for damages. So if you or somebody, you know, has taken this jab and, and had, and has been injured as a result, you can turn around and sue the manufacturer. 
and they can be held liable. So um, as that's, I said, as horrific as it is, it is on, on a little bit of good news. That, that's the civil court. Um, Steve Kirsch supposedly has an attorney general who's a, a state attorney general who's going to attempt to uh, criminalize the whole good. thing. And of course, it's criminal behavior. And yeah. I, I'm just amazed that it hasn't happened yet. The new, Me too. Yeah. So, uh, but let's get on with more about your story and how the podcast developed and, and anything more about your background that, I, that your listeners would uh, consider interesting. Okay, sure. Well, you know, I was born and raised here in, in Southern California and um, have seen my, my beloved Los Angeles just spiral. Decimated. And yeah, yeah, into just a, a third world hellhole in a lot of different areas. Uh, you're looking at the poverty is just rampant, the, you know, the open drug use, the homelessness, the crime. And, and it really is disturbing to me to think that people keep voting for those who are, whose policies have created this mess. And, and I'm starting to think that they're actually... <laughs> They're, they're not in the majority. Um, I think that the state of California at the state level, the assembly, and uh, even here at the local level, uh, that these people have been stealing elections for much longer than just before 2020. And, and so, um, yeah, it's, it's very concerning to me. It's one of the reasons why I've chosen to stay here in California and fight for my home. Uh, as, as some people you know, and I don't blame them. I uh, have left the state and have gone to better places, you know, places like Florida or or Wyoming or what have you. Right. But um, I, I know I've chosen to stay and fight and, and I'm hoping that we can win this thing. And one of the things that we need to do is, uh, is you know, sort out our elections first. Um, and I know I'm getting a little off. topic. No, no, here. that's perfect. You saw 2000 mules, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That yeah. That was a and, stunning and, indictment of the presidential election, and, and it just goes to show how easily that some of this stuff can be done and how, how these conspiracies are hard to find. Right. The, I mean, I'm amazed that they, well, I'm amazed that you could do something that large with that many people, and if a federal prosecutor was interested, somebody would have to save his skin by ratting everybody else out. But it doesn't seem that like that has attracted the attention of prosecutors. And prosecutors... Right. The, <laughs> Prosecutors are not a particularly courageous bunch. What they really like is a fancy job in industry, like, for example, in pharma, when they get out. Uh, the plaintiff's lawyers, on the, on the other hand, are motivated by money, and a class action lawsuit can sometimes have B billions of dollars in damages award in the, awarded, and the plaintiff's lawyer can get uh, a quarter of it or a third of it or even more. Yeah. You know, no, it is it is it is disheartening that to see that people at our, our Department of Justice um, or even state attorneys general have not have chosen not to prosecute this or even or even investigate it. It really is disturbing. And the only thing I can think is that well, a couple of things. One, that they're probably compromised in some form or fashion. And that's probably how they reached that position. It seems to me is that the people that are in positions of power pulling the, the levers of power these days. Are, are only those who have jumped through the appropriate hoops or who have some kind of dirt on them or who are being blackmailed in some form or fashion. And so I think that's one of the reasons why you're not seeing a, a big push. The other reason I think, and this is, this is entirely speculative, is, is they considered Trump to be, and erroneously, to be someone akin to a, an Adolf Hitler, right? So 
And I thought about this. I thought about this perspective. If if Adolf Hitler were were president, uh, you know, what would I not do to get him out of power, right? And and so I think that's how these people justify it in their minds. And and so we're up against not only people who have been compromised um, in in you know in their lives some way, but ideologically, they've been compromised by this this this. I don't know, this mental illness called liberalism uh, or leftism, and and it, it really is disturbing because because <laughs> it's everywhere. It's on the news. It's in social media. They've got control of everything, and so so the brainwashing is on such a massive scale that it's almost insurmountable. But one of the ways that we can fight back is by securing the elections, and and they're trying to stop us at every at every turn. And we're trying to prevent that from happening again, you know, and one of the things that people haven't really explored too much, and, and I hope that this might become a little more popular, this is why I keep bringing it up anytime I, any chance I can, is utilizing blockchain technology. Now, blockchain technology is incorruptible. Uh, and just to give you the kind of the rough overview, it's basically an online ledger that everybody agrees to. Everybody that's on the network all agrees that yes, this happened at this time, this happened at that time, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you put the election system into a blockchain format, there's no way that it can be gamed or rigged or, or um, altered and manipulated much the same way that they did in 2020. So I'm hoping that people smarter than me um, who know a lot more about blockchain technology than I do can introduce that maybe at, at starting at a local level, you know, at a, at a city, citywide or county elections or maybe state elections, and then ultimately, hopefully, at the federal level, because we need to do something. Um, these people are they're unscrupulous and they'll do whatever it takes to steal the elections, and it just doesn't make sense to me. California is predominantly conservative. You look at out of the 53 counties we have, a lot of them are are rural, right, <clears throat> which which tend to be more conservative. So I, I have a difficult time grasping that the majority of our, of our state assembly is made up of Democrats. It just doesn't make sense. We, there aren't that many Democrat districts in the state of California. So uh, something is off and we need to fix it desperately. Um, you, know, the, you know, I mean, this is a systemic uh, problem and Google, unfortunately, the most powerful company in the world uh, can influence search results and probably swing elections by 10 percent. So um, we we've got a lot of foes against us in this fight. But fortunately, uh, like you say, I mean, I believe that we would win any fair election in this country right now, for sure, after the disaster that has been uh, the policies that have occurred recently. Um, Let me just back up one second and uh, address this uh, prosecutor problem. Uh, in 2017, there was a book written called The Chicken SHIT Club, right? And it was about federal prosecutors. And it described the pressures on these guys to settle cases and to compromise them. And it basically answered my questions about why the pharma companies weren't being aggressively prosecuted, but instead they were getting fines that sometimes were in the billions of dollars. There's three companies which have had over a billion dollars in single settlements and then allowed to go on and um, 
continue their same practices. And the conclusion of the book is that the this technique of settling these cases and standing on the pile of loot and claiming victory erodes the rule of law and that what we should be doing is taking down these corporations to the studs, firing everyone, yeah. putting their leaders in jail because they are indeed criminals. I mean, they yeah. they they are they have they're felons and they're essentially they're operating a mobster organization. So yep. so that may uh, help your understanding. I mean, I don't think it's that easy to be a federal prosecutor. As powerful as they are, their their power is a tiny drop in the bucket con compared to these corporations, which are. 20, 30 billion dollar gross revenues each. You oh, know, sure. there's 10 or 20 of them that are 30 of them that are that big. The pharma companies alone. So yeah. they they can afford anything and they they can afford to pay off the prosecutors by offering them lucrative jobs when they get out. And so to see old revolving door between the between the industry and the and the, sure. the federal, the poorly paid federal uh, uh yeah. Right, just like in with the FDA, as you point out in your book, you know that, that the FDA is funded in large part from pharmaceutical industries, from the very people that they're supposed to be regulating, and it's a huge conflict of interest, as as and as you're talking about here with the conflict of interest between the public sector and the private sector when it comes to litigation. So, so you know how do we we need to address these these core fundamental um, problems? before we can get any sort of real relief because the system as, as we have it set up right now is broken, it's dysfunctional. And you're right, these people should be in prison. They, they are guilty of murder. I mean, you look, at, you look at Pfizer, just take Pfizer, for example. These people, hundreds of thousands of people are dead as a result of their products. And-, and, and Probably me, millions worldwide. Oh yes, of course, yes. And, and, and here's the thing is that the FDA approved every single one of those products and said they're safe for public consumption. Go ahead and distribute them. And then Pfizer, they knew that their drug would kill or injure people, but they put it out in the market anyway because they know that nah, the fine they're going to pay is going to be insignificant compared to the profits that they'll make. It's the right? most profitable medication in history, but it's not only the most profitable medication, it's probably the most profitable product in history. Compare it to the iPhone or Coca-Cola in the last year. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a stunningly profitable. Mm -hmm. Pfizer's had 40% profit margins for the last five years, but last year or the last 12 months, I mean, who knows what the profit margins are because they've had all their advertising done by, by the government. Sure, yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. They didn't need to lift a finger to move their product. And, and, and so again, so now, yeah, so now we've got collusion with our own government who's there to, supposed to be there to protect us and, and they're not. And so they're, they are colluding them to commit fraud, to commit murder. And in this, and really, if you think about it, it's genocide is global genocide is what these people are engaged in with this product is this latest product, the, the, you know, the so-called vaccine. And I put that in air quotes because it is anything, but no matter how they try to change the definition, it is not a vaccine. So uh, it is not safe, it is not effective. And, and all of these people who, who, who participated in that lie are also culpable. So, you know, it's uh, it, what would be termed as- um, Accessories. Accessory to murder, yeah. exactly. So CNN, Fox, MSNBC, Twitter, uh, you know, Facebook, Google. That's why I, I put all these people in, in the, I, we were talking about before the show, this, uh, this deck of cards I created called COVID's Most Wanted. And each different card has a different face of a, of a CEO or somebody that's been uh, associated with the biggest scam in human history. 
And uh, the accompanying website has for each person the list of the crimes they've been uh, that they've committed and the evidence to support that statement. And so I'm hoping that people can will be able to kind of pick up that ball and run with it, right? So uh, at first, at just at the civil level, but hopefully at the criminal level, we'll we'll get some you know some local city attorneys or district attorneys with some guts who will stand up and say, you know what? You harmed people in my district. You've, you've murdered people in my district and I'm going to hold you accountable for that. And that's what we really need to see. And, but like, like you're saying at the federal level, forget about it. Those guys, they, they, they wouldn't touch it with a 10 foot pole because they know who, you know, the hand that, who the fan hand that feeds them is, right? So um, yeah, boy, it is such a tangled mess. I mean, and, and it all, a lot of it goes back to uh, Citizens United where the court said, no, it's okay. Let, let, let corporations uh, donate unlimited amounts of money to political campaigns. What, what could, what harm could happen? It's, 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 it's there's absolutely no wisdom in that judgment. Uh, um, Nick, just going back to terminology for one minute, I purged conflicts of interest from my vocabulary because what they really are is bribery. And so I, I no longer call anything a conflict of interest. I call it bribery. And that's a legal term. And maybe I'm, it's not exactly proper, but I think it's far more accurate. A conflict of interest is something that should not be. You yeah. know, it's, it's, it's absolutely, it's unethical. And it, it creates undue pressures to do things that aren't right. And in medicine, the patient should be first. Right. Well, um, tell us now, you, you've been on this journey and you've talked to a lot of fascinating people. Um, tell us a few of your most interesting interviews, summarize it for the listeners so they can go onto your um, uh, website, find the interview and listen. Sure. Well, I know I'd have to say, I, I can't really choose just one, but but my favorite interviews are the ones where the, the, the guests come on and they share not only um, new information with people, but they give people the tools that they need to act on that information and, and to do something about it, right? Um, so I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of a specific example. Um, oh, okay, so our friend James Raguski, right? Yeah. Uh, when he came on and talked about this, this thing with the World Health Organization stealing our, our sovereignty. Um, along with that, he had, along with his Substack, in there, there were links and things that people could use to reach out to their elected officials. Or there's, there was text, there was language that they could use, or they could email their, their representative and let their concerns be known about it. So that's kind of just one example of the, the you know, the types of guests that, that really, um, that, that, that I really enjoy uh, having on the show. And that's not to say that I, I don't enjoy um, the, the, the other guests uh, as much. That's, that's not true. But, but that is one of the things that I like about, about you know, certain guests when they appear on the show. Um, and, you know, and it, going back to our, our show, uh, when I had you on the show, and, and I, I have to say, it was, it was interesting. It was neat to see that someone, someone with, with, your, with your background and, and history and the understanding of the the corruption of the FDA and the corruption of big pharma and, and the medical industry um, to, to kind of see that, that, that light bulb moment, right. Uh, realizing that, that, Oh my God, <laughs> this whole COVID thing too is. A lot worse. Uh, it's uh, the yeah. old, old strategies writ large on a global stage 
by criminals that surpass even the pharma criminals. Yeah. And, and so, I, I got to hand it to you, Nick. I didn't understand this stuff until a year ago. I didn't start to work on the COVID and the, the global picture until a year ago. I, I worked strictly on American medical corruption, which appalled me. But right. this new stuff is a slap in the face every week. And uh, new craziness comes down all the time. I mean, I, I can hardly believe it. But I it's mean, right, it's, it's right great now to have, yeah, go, ahead. go ahead. Right now, they're trying to pin these uh, mass shootings on guns, right? And it's obscene because the problem, it, you know, Occam's razor is a medical principle saying that a single a single cause is far, far, far more likely than multiple causes. So people say, oh, well, the kids got locked down. You know, they had to wear masks. They're all sad. They're, you know, they're under special pressure. The real problem is we have 20, we have probably 12% of the country taking these SSRI drugs, which yeah. are, have, should never have been approved, which were, there was criminal collusion in getting those, those things approved, which you can read about in my book, Butchered by Healthcare. Um, and these things, cause violence and suicide and the stories are legion they're yep. legion you can go on websites like the missd.co or you can go on madinamerica.com or there are several several other websites that talk about this horrible stressful restlessness unbearable restlessness people get at times when they take psych drugs and in particular the ssris and it it predisposes suicide and, and violence and and right. homicide. I mean, it's absolutely insane. And so they're trying to use this narrative to take away the guns and turn yeah. us, it Canadianizes essentially, right. which is obscene. It's, it's horrifying. Yeah. And 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 it, it to look and to look at Canada and just to look at the, and the listen to the stupid things that come out of the mouths of the liberals there in Canada. Uh, I can't believe it. I mean, some of the stuff that Justin Trudeau says is just it's just, it's. It, it, it baffles me that yeah. someone even thinks that way. But it's the Canadians so are softer, they're sweeter, they're they're less critical than we are, and we there's not a hardcore of kind of blue collar common sense up there, and they right. have been leaning left, lefter and lefter for years. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, yeah. and and with regard to the you know the school shootings, that is you know the one element that ties them all together is that all of these kids are on SSRIs. And hey, Nick, everybody, right. everybody's on SSRIs. And, and, I don't take and, any, you don't take any, but everybody else you know has tried them. I, yeah. And I've tried them. And they no, I, I have, I have as well. Yeah. And I didn't really have good, uh, good, you know, good results or good outcomes. They're very works. toxic. And yeah. if you manage to take them for a while, they're tremendously addictive. And yeah. and the withdrawals oh, yeah. from them are, are, are horrible. They take years to withdraw. And if you're on them for three or four years, you might as well forget it. You can't get off of them uh, in, for yeah. the most part. Yeah. So, so that is the common thread in, in all these shootings. And with the most recent one that took place in Uvalde, Texas, the question no one is asking is, how did an 18-year-old kid who couldn't afford to buy a new pair of pants get his hands on two rifles worth about 1800 bucks a piece and about another three to $5,000 worth of, of ammo and magazines? It, that's the question people should be asking, right? Where did he get this stuff? Who who wound him up? I mean, this sounds like this is straight out of the CIA's playbook uh, and this kind of stuff that they do, where they will they will brainwash and they will uh, manipulate kids into uh, committing these atrocities. I, I was just watching something today about uh, Klebold and Harris, the the two kids that shot up uh, Columbine. They were actually um, under the manipulation of. Um, agents of our government 
who were using drugs and were using um, other techniques to, to uh, shape and mold them into the killers that they became. And, and I won't go too far into it, but it, there were also other people uh, committing the atrocities there that same day. There were actually adults who were using, who had guns and who were shooting people who had pipe bombs and, and so forth. And so it, it's, it, it's, it's far more disturbing to people. And that's why I think a lot of people are asking this question to think that our government is behind this. And, but I'm gonna tell you, uh, I strongly and firmly believe that that is the case, that our government is, is, is creating these monsters and, and, and winding them up and setting them loose on children and, and, and to murder children so that, that they can push the, the gun agenda. It, it's disgusting. It, I mean, how evil do you have to be to, to think that that is appropriate and it's an appropriate means of saving lives by sacrificing the lives of little children? It's asinine, it's evil, and it, it needs to stop. I, I'm, I'm beside myself with anger because there, there really is no other answer to that. No, Nobody, this, like I said, this kid just didn't come up with, you know, eight grand all of a sudden and, and, and get these, these, these highly expensive rifles. I mean, they're, they're Daniel Defense rifles is what he had. I have a Daniel Defense rifle. It cost me about 1800 bucks. It's a very expensive rifle. It's a very good quality rifle. But there's no way that, that, that this kid could afford to buy such a, such a, uh, such a weapon. No way. Nick, if I think about this, it makes my head explode. So I, I, I'm going to have to change the subject okay. on this one. I, I don't, I, you know, I, I really, I don't know anything about that. I do know the NRA is in internal disarray or we wouldn't have to worry about this. It's a powerful lobby and they unfortunately have leadership problems and they have people who are vying for control at the expense of their agenda. Um, so, uh, you, know, you know, the guns are important and we don't want to get Canadianized and have right. all, all our guns right. taken away. No, um, do, not, <laughs> do not disarm. Do not give up your guns, no matter what, no matter what they say, what they try, what they uh, what they uh, what they accuse us, because it's it's never a good guy with a gun. That's the problem. It's the bad guy with the gun. And when you disarm the good guys with the guns, the bad guys with the guns have free reign. You look at, you know, all the cities where they have the most the strictest gun laws are the ones with the highest gun violence. And it's not committed by law-abiding citizens. It's committed by criminals who have free reign to, to run amok with weapons uh, because there, there's no good guys to stop them, right? I mean, that, that's all these school shootings take place on places that are, that are gun-free zones, right? It's an open invitation saying, come on in. Nobody here is armed. You can do whatever you want. And, and I, I just don't get how people don't see that. Uh, people on the left is what I'm talking about. I don't get how they don't see that. Well, it's... <laughs> it's hard to imagine. Are you familiar with active self-protection on YouTube? Did we talk about that ever? Uh, that, no. that is a surveillance camera site where this fellow analyzes uh, surveillance video of shooting and various kinds of violence. And it is fascinating. It tells you how the criminals operate, how the whole thing goes down. And uh, you get to meet some of these criminals, uh, you know, 30 seconds or five seconds before they get shot in the head by a defender who happens to be armed. Uh, and of course, it doesn't always go that way. And a lot yeah. of it's police videos. And you appreciate the difficulty of police work if you watch, if you just uh, go to YouTube and 
search for ASP or active self-protection mm. and you can watch some of these things. I mean, it's, it's fascinating. And if it, it gives you the feeling that uh, being armed should be routine for most of us. And if we're uh, sane and sober and considered uh, it's going to make everyone much safer and could certainly replace a lot of police work. Absolutely. Uh, and you know, I mean, I, it also gives you a feeling that you should never get pissed on the highway. In other words, you know, it's easy to get angry, but you, you're never going to see these people again and you can wave and apologize and it gets you out of a lot of things. Sure. So yeah. tell us another, uh, I, I mean, I was particularly interested in one of your experts recently who uh, knew a lot about uh, the climate uh, material. Ah, yes, yes. Um, whose name I, I don't recall at the moment. but He's a local professor at a college. But right, and and he is a person who who he is a a master's in 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 um, environmental studies, and and he basically says that this whole climate thing is a is a hoax. It's a hoax. Um, yeah, it's a it's yeah. a hoax, and and, Car and carbon is it, good for the earth. It and that it's and, well, yes, yes, of course and it we're is. At a, it, we're at a, a, a geological a geological low in our carbon concentration in the atmosphere. We're nearly at an extinction event with low carbon carbon dioxide right. because it goes a few parts per million lower, and plant life cannot be supported right. any longer. Right, and I think that's part of their plan is because they want to reduce human population. By, by many different means. I mean, they've said so in their own paperwork at, at the, the United Nations Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030, uh, all but explicitly state that they want to reduce the population, whether that's by population control uh, or population reduction. And there are many different means and ways by which they do that, in which they are doing that. And one of them is by, with this, this, whole, this whole carbon nonsense, right? That carbon is somehow bad for the environment when in fact, History, if you look at the ice core samples over tens of thousands of years, have shown that there has been there have been much higher levels of carbon in the atmosphere. The planet was greener as a result. I mean, who can argue that a greener planet is a is a is not a better planet, right? And plants also produce oxygen, which are good for human beings. And so, if they take away the oxygen-producing elements, then they're not going to have as many human beings, right? So you see how it fits their goal. Um, but what he was saying in his interview was that, uh, you know, they say 97% of scientists agree that no. social, so, you know, that not social, that, that um, climate, climate change is an issue and that, and that, uh, and, you know, it's influenced by CO2. Yeah. Right. And, but what, but they fail to state is that those 97% of scientists all get their funding from the government. And so if they don't tow the government line, they don't get the money. They don't get the money to, to, to continue their research. And so the government, like in many ways, uses money to manipulate people to get what they want. And this is the case with this whole, this whole climate nonsense. And, and um, organizations yeah. like Greenpeace are just pure demagoguery and uh, funding uh, raising I'm, through panic. I'm, I'm having the founder of Greenpeace um, on Patrick my Moore. podcast. Yeah, yeah. That's fantastic couple of weeks right and he he's saying the same thing he's saying it's a hoax it's it's all it's all nonsense and so but this all goes back to um their agenda and and you can see the parallels between the climate agenda and the COVID agenda when it comes down to controlling people 
they, they wanted to and were pretty much successful in it from a lot of parts of the world at rolling out these vaccine passports, these digital IDs, right? And what that did was it gives them the means by which to control travel and um, among other things. Now, the next layer on top of that COVID vaccine passport or that uh, digital ID is going to be your climate footprint, your carbon footprint, right? So you, if you've used so many carbon credits this month, you won't be able to purchase gasoline with your, your digital currency, which they're going to switch us all over to as well. So you can see this kind of this control grid, this network that they're setting up to be able to suppress people from you know, traveling or from buying red meat because that emits too much CO2 or whatever else they say they want to make up, uh, they'll be able to, to roll out and control the human race with. And we're, we're, we're barreling towards this authoritarian state. And, and it, you can see it now. They're very, being very um, aggressive with it because they've got, they're in position in all the areas, in, in, in everything from, you know, social media and news to banking and finance and corporations <clears throat> to governments, they, they've got it all under control now. And so they're rushing headlong um, and pushing this forward. And we're in the end stages of that, of that plan, of that goal. And so uh, uh, we need to wake up as many people as possible, as quickly as possible to fight back against this because it, it could really much sp spell the end of uh, human freedom, not just here in the United States, but all around the world. There's no place to run now. No, there's no there's no uh, country that you can go to. I mean, during World War II, you could you could leave your your wherever you went, were and go to Switzerland or somewhere and and get out of it. But now now we're we're stuck. And I guess the best we have is probably Florida. But you and I are going to stick it out here in California, which we love and which is uh, it's as far as I'm concerned, it's the most wonderful place in the world. I mean, we've got Yosemite and the beaches and the mountains and good weather and I mean, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and interesting people, too. I mean, I, yeah. I, I love it here. Um, but I, I consider moving. Um, but like you, I decided to stay. Yeah. Well, we, you know, we have to. I'm not going to let these damn commies steal my state. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for the listeners who don't have our background, we may sound like the whole thing is extreme. But it's all quite well documented. The, the entire uh, setup is uh, designed to essentially destroy the, the, the most robust rule of law and freedom in the world, which is the United States. And we still have fragments of our court system and our structure of our constitution remaining. But uh, anyone that's been awake understands that um, a lot of it's been destroyed. And the, the First Amendment destruction of uh, you know three quarters of uh, the dialogue and that's been censored by mainstream media is just an outrage, and I, I'm hoping that the, the, we can get a majority of the people over to these other platforms like ours, so they can understand what's going on. And sure. none of none of what you say is exaggerated. Uh, it's all it's all very ominous. And the amazing thing is the uh, the chutzpah of these people, and they've laid it all out with planning sessions and you know, World Economic Forum uh, right. uh, dialogues and, and it's, it's, uh, it's clear. And it, these huge entities are all involved. Yeah, these, it's, it's yeah. right there for people to see for themselves. I say, as I always tell my, my viewers and listeners, don't take my word for any of this stuff. Go and do the research yourself. I provide the links, you know, and you can go and check out 
Agenda 21 or Agenda 2030, these documents that are published by the United Nations. They say it explicitly in their own words, and you can see it for yourself. So this isn't some kind of conspiracy theory. This is a conspiracy fact. This is conspiracy evidence, evidence of a conspiracy. These people are conspiring against us. They're conspiring against us. To destroy America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Nick, I'm grateful for your friendship and I'm grateful for your time. And I think we put together something that uh, hopefully people will be able to understand and, uh, and benefit from. And they can they can dive into your archives, which I heavily recommend. And, uh, you know, my archives are, are similar and address a lot of other issues that are seem to be part of this insane agenda that we're, we're witnessing. So I, I really appreciate it. Any la- tell uh, the listeners wh- what your website is and where where people can reach you and so on. Sure. Yeah, the, the best place to go is freeamericapodcast.com. And there you will find links to all the audio podcasts, you know, so Apple or Spotify. And then you'll also find links to my Rumble and BitChute channels where you can watch the video versions of the podcast, which I like to recommend because I do include things like news clips and other uh, videos sometimes that, that it's better seen than heard. Um, but you can always go to, like I said, freeamericapodcast.com. You can click on the links. You can find the episodes. And uh, I also encourage people to look in the show notes or the episode notes section below the video for the hyperlinks and other things that they can go and and do their own research or they can share with other people um, to help wake them up. And in that, they can participate in fighting this war because this is a war and, and it's an information war and we got to fight an information war with information. And so, yeah, freeamericapodcast.com, check it out. And, um, and thank you. Thank you for having me on the show, Robert. I really appreciate it. Okay, Nick, we'll chat soon. Thank you again. All right.